Welcome back. As I told you, Roosters prop Spencer Lenu has been charged by the NRL for alleged racial abuse of Broncos rival Ezra Mam um, in the wake of what unfolded yesterday in Las Vegas. So uh, as we've said all morning, this is a process that needs to take place all the way through uh, the official channels of the NRL, and that's the way that they've gone. The match review committee has levelled a contrary conduct charge against Lenu. He's been accused of calling Mam a monkey in a bit of fallout to the match. So let's hear from the main players here and how it has played out in particular. First up, the, the incident itself heard through the microphone of referee Adam G. Let's go. Let's go. We'll get on with it later. He called him a monkey. We'll get on with it. Do you want, do you want to make a formal complaint? You do? Just wait. Just wait. No, 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 just wait. Ezra and captains. Hut! No, it's, it's a racial allegation. James! Okay, Ezra's made a formal complaint that's racial in nature, okay? Against Spencer. I haven't heard it. The incident goes on report. Okay, it'll be dealt with after. That's where it's left. Okay? Get him to keep a cool head. So there you go. That's the audio of how it played out yesterday. You can hear Adam G initially say, Let, let's move on and we'll deal with it later. But then obviously um, assesses the situation and says, would you like, do you want to make a formal complaint? Which Ezra Mam does. And you can hear what's going on in the background here. So this is all um, serious stuff. And it was treated, I thought, very well in that moment by Adam G because there was a lot of heat around that. Now, Spencer Lenu said straight after full time when he was asked um, about this. He said, nothing. It's all just fun and games on the field. That's it. And he said, I'm not worried at all about it. That has then been um, uh, taken on social media by some of the biggest names in the game. Um, Cody Walker had his say about it. Katoni Staggs responded about it as well. Latrell Mitchells had his say about it. It has also apparently spilled over into the hotel afterwards where there was some words said to each other, um, to it from from team to team, essentially in this. So it continues to really bubble over. Uh, straight after the match, as you can imagine, um, it became a talking point. And here's Kevin Walters when he was asked about it at the press conference. Yeah, he's pretty upset in there, but we'll leave that in the hands of the NRL to police and adjudicate on. We support Ezra and our player and. Um, in everything that's around that. So he's adamant. I won't make any more comment on it, except that we're supporting our player, and rightly so. Okay, so that's Kevy Walters on that one. Trent Robinson on the other side of the fence had this to say. Yeah, I've heard of it like you guys have, so I, there's no comment from me about it because I, I can't have any opinion on it. I don't know what happened. Right, so Ezra's adamant, not Kevy. That doesn't mean it's right. You know, he obviously made the complaint, but that doesn't mean that it's right. It, it'll go through the formal process as it should. No, I haven't spoken to him. I spoke to him about the game, but not that. Uh, Lottie Takiri wasn't particularly pleased with what um, Trent Robinson had to say, and, and he's had his say about that as well. So he said, I don't get how Trent Robinson sits in a post-match press conference and, and accuses Ezra of not being right. I'm behind Ezra all the way calling this stuff out. As you can imagine, um, Peter Volandis has said, we will do everything we can to stamp out racism completely in the game, but it's now in the hands of uh, the judiciary. 
So he's been charged, Spencer Lenu, for alleged racial abuse, and that will now take its next part of this whole sorry saga. Speaking of the main players across the weekend, so, of course, it all started with Manly against South Sydney in a blockbuster game as well. The winning coach and the coaches were part of the storyline leading into this one, but the winning coach from the Seagulls, Anthony Seabold, post-game. Obviously, the there's, there's 24 games in the season, so we actually prepared the bulk of our pre-season. My 13 out of our 14-week pre-season was built around the other 23 games. We had one week where we really um, narrowed our focus onto this particular game, um, but I thought it was quality footy played by both teams. Um, you know, one of the things that I was most proud of from our group was when we went behind 20 points to 12, I think it was, we... Um, yeah, we kept fighting, and that's all we wanted from our group. Keep fighting hard, play our style for you, as Chad said, and, um, yeah, we're able to come away with some points. 36-24 was the final score in that one. So what's that 60 points scored in the opening match of the season, followed by a 20-10 to scoreline between the Roosters and the Broncos? From the Bunnies' side of the fence, here's Jason Demetria. Obviously, the intercept tries a dive over from dummy half. There's a grubber kick. You know, there's 18 points there where we, you know, we're probably got to be a bit better than that. Um, like I said, I think you know it's round one. When you're not holding onto the ball and they're getting back to back to back sets on you, that's where the fatigue plays a part. And probably did a, a bit in there. But as uh, Cam said, we need to be better at that. You know, we defend our try line. Magn- I thought excellent in the first half from a process per- perspective. I thought we we're excellent, but we let ourselves down in the second half. So there's, like I said, there's a 15 minute period there. I think they scored three tries, and for me, that's where the game's won and lost, and that's where our best learnings will come from. And, of course, the Rabbitohs play the Broncos in round two. So they'll get back. It's uh, Thursday, the 14th of March at 8 o'clock up there at Suncorp Stadium in Brisbane. And Manly will play the Roosters, the return bout from Vegas, essentially, on the flip side, down at Four Pines Park on Sunday afternoon at uh, 4.05 p.m. So that's the takeaway, or they are the takeaways from the coaches across the weekend. And we've been speaking about the bigger picture, haven't we? The broader picture about what all this means. As you can imagine, Peter Volandi's had a pep in his step after what unfolded in Vegas. This is just the foundation. It's like building a house. You've now done the foundation. We've sent a benchmark. We've got to improve from here next year. But the results have got to be coming through with American viewers. So we'll be interested to see how we went on Fox 1 tonight, how many viewers we got. Um, we need to see how many subscriptions we sell to you know, watch NRL. But it's not going to happen in the, in the 12 months. It's going to take three or four years. But I am now more confident than ever that we can make tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars for the game that will go back into grassroots. So that possibly answers the question that has continually come up from you on our text board this morning. What what are the numbers, Matty? How much money are you talking about here? What's the, you know, what are the metrics to put it in those terms? Well, that's right there from Peter Volandis. You know, he's talking into the big, big, big millions, but he also knows that it's not going to be off the back of the weekend. Now, the Fox Sports 1, the FS1 um, coverage numbers will be interesting. Absolutely. I reckon they'd be looking even closer at those Watch NRL app subscriptions. What's a pass mark for them? Don't know. That'd live in the spreadsheet on Andrew Abdo's computer, I dare say. But the Fox Sports 1 coverage numbers, that'd be interesting. That's the big daddy over there. So Fox Sports 2 is where they started on because of the college game that went in. But sometimes, as I was saying to Chucky this morning, sometimes when you're, you know, whatever you've got on Fox Sports 1, if it, if it takes you into overtime, 
it keeps a lot of viewers that might necessarily just get on up and, and move on. And by the time they switched on, I think the first thing they really saw was a full flight at that stage, Jason Saab in action. Um, so some pretty spectacular stuff. It was, what, 17 minutes into the game, 15 or 17 minutes into the game. Really, really interesting. The first serve, of course, right here on SEN. Brett Phillips joins us on a Monday morning with some more good stuff to talk about, BP. Good morning to you. Alex Demonor does it again. Yeah, he certainly does, uh, Matty. I'm over here at uh, Indian Wells where he's about to uh, venture over. And, look, this was uh, the, the same result that he uh, yeah, got last year. And, unfortunately, that didn't translate into a, a great Indian Wells. We can only hope uh, for a better result this time. In fact, I think right now he's in San Diego because his partner, Katie Bolter, is about to play a WTA 500 final in that part of the world. So he's uh, made the quick flight from Acapulco to San Diego. He'll be here in the desert uh, tomorrow, but yeah, look, always tough to defend your title, no doubt about that. And there were certainly parts of the last week where he didn't play his best tennis, so particularly that win he had against Stefano Sitsipas, and that's that's how far he's grown. So he wasn't playing at his best, and he beats a guy of the calibre of Sitsipas, who what he was zero and ten against uh, coming in. So that that just shows the level he's playing at at the moment. It is delightful, I've got to say, Matt, to uh, watch Alex Steeman all play at the moment, and now really belong in this uh, top echelon of uh, men's tennis. So, yeah, hopefully he can have a, a good couple of weeks uh, here in Indian Wells. Yeah, um, and I wanted to talk to you about that. I love it when you're over there because it's just a, a whole different take, isn't it? Tennis paradise. Like, you, you are dead set in tennis heaven over there. It is beautiful. We've been on site uh, today and uh, gathered a few chats uh, for the show uh, tonight. Uh, qualifying has started uh, today. Normally it always starts on a Monday, so it's a full uh, two weeks. Arena Roddy Nova's our one Aussie in qualies uh, today. I've actually sat down with young Taylor Preston. Uh, the 18-year-old is doing amazing things. She's our best prospect in women's tennis. Her first time at India Wells, and she just looked around she thought, my goodness me. I've got to get back here because she's not in the draw. She's come here to do the WTA Accelerator program and hit with some players and gather a little bit more experience, but she wants to be in the main draw. She can see those mountains in the background, the beautiful crisp uh, desert air, mm -hmm. uh, absolutely delightful. So, yeah, it, it's an incredible setting, no doubt. It draws me back. I think this is my sixth uh, trip here and, uh, yeah, loving every moment of it. Have you got out to see Max Van, John McEnroe? So I, I, what's this, the second year in a row that he'll be doing this? But it, he plays. It must be, <laughs> what, ne next week or the weekend coming up? Yep. Yeah, we did it last year. And the Bryan brothers, uh, they play as well. Uh, it's yeah. brilliant. They have a, a village stage area set up. And I can tell you, it gets rowdy, uh, Maddie. <laughs> All the tour groups that come there and they absolutely dance their socks off, let me tell you. So, yeah, J-Mac will be out here. They put on it. Look, it's brilliant. It's the equivalent, really, of a Grand Slam site, Indian Wells. I know they probably, they probably would love to have Grand Slam status, uh, but it's the best of the 1,000 tournaments in terms of the site layout, entertainment, uh, the value for money. Yeah, it's incredible. What about Yannick Sinner? When he, when he rolls through... The gates here, essentially, when he when he turns up and he's out there. I mean, he's a very different proposition now than when he was there last year, isn't he? Because this guy is, is a superstar with a rocket. So I just wonder now how it, it'll all start to get real, especially in the environment that you're in. Oh, look, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, is 
absolutely the real deal. And, you know, we've been talking about this comparison with Alcaraz. In fact, Alcaraz, I haven't actually caught any of it, but I'm going to try and catch up. He's playing the Dale today in an exhibition. I think it's the Netflix match in Las Vegas before they both come to Indian Wells uh, later on uh, tonight. And, yeah, Alcaraz has got some work to do. I mean, he's the defending champion here, but Sin has certainly overtaken him uh, form-wise uh, since, you know, probably the middle of last year. That's the last tournament uh, that Carlos won at uh, Wimbledon. So Sin is the talk, and Carlos has got some work to do. And I can tell you on Nadal, in his own words, and there's a lot of people who probably think, just put away this whole hardcourt season, just play the clay court season if it is going to be your last He's been here for about five days, but just has not felt good in practice at all. So we'll see how he shapes up. Uh, Rafa hopefully doesn't injure himself, and that uh, maybe you know, derails the clay court season. So yeah. we'll, uh, we'll keep, be keeping a close eye on that. All right, and a final one. So next Thursday, they'll do quarterfinal. So men's and women's all quarterfinal matches all on one day, which is unique in itself. So... What's the thinking behind that? Is it just trying something different? Can you see this being a bit of a template uh, along the way? Yeah, just trying something uh, something different. I think every every one of these big tournaments is always trying to uh, innovate. It was interesting today. I was out watching uh, a little bit of qualifying, and a couple of men to the side of me were really impatient because uh, they couldn't uh, they weren't allowed in. Of course, only allowed in at the odd games. And the guy said. You guys, you you got to employ the Australian Open rule. They can come in any time. <laughs> the lady said. The lady said, "Well, I'm not breaking any rules. I can only lift a little barrier up and bring you in after the first and the third and the fifth. So there's still going to be the catching up to uh, innovate, like Australia's had. They've led the way in terms of crowd movement and interaction. But yes, uh, tournaments are always trying uh, different things. But it, look, it, it does certainly feel like a grand slam here. Yeah. All right, mate. We'll let you go. Thanks for your time this morning. Have a good show tonight. Thank you, Matt. Brett Phillips with the first serve live from uh, the amazing Indian Wells tournament. So tennis paradise for a reason. That, that's one that I'd put on the bucket list um, just because you hear so much about it. It'll probably be the last time, well, it will be the last time that Andy Murray has played at Indian Wells. He's been there 15 times before this. He intends to retire before the end of the season. So we could pretty much count this one for the three-time major champion, um, who was in the finals. I don't think he's won. He hasn't won at Indian Wells, but he'll be there for the last time. And some 19 million US prize money up for grabs. So that's the highest ever. So it's it's a big, big tournament. There's no doubt about it. The Australians go in there in really good form. And Brett Phillips has the lot. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy 1170 is our number. Thanks to our new open line partner, Alltel. Awesome service, great products, Switch to Alltel today.